When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? One on one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network? Do you like sports? Because we like sports. Let's talk about sports. It's Sports Jack. Sports Jack. It's Sports Jack. Welcome to episode 242 of the Sports Yak Podcast. You mean the Y.A. Tittle episode? Y.A. Tittle. Yes. Y.A. Tittle. Better known as Yelberton Abraham Tittle Jr. He was a quarterback for the 49ers. Coined the term alley-oop in sports for those high passes that he would throw to R.C. Owens. Then traded to the New York football Giants, where he was the MVP of the NFL in 1963. Led the Giants into the NFL championship game, where they lost to the Chicago Bears. Then in his final season, photographed, bloodied, and kneeling down in the end zone in one of sports' most iconic photographs. He's Y.A. Tittle. Family Broadcasting Corporation. In association with the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Presents... Sports Yak. One host knows sports. And who's right there? The other doesn't know sports, but somehow they meet in the middle. It's all the way! It is! Here's your host, Corey Mann. Get your big butt out of here! And Indiana Sports Broadcast Hall of Famer. This one will be relived. Chuck Freebie. Forever! The alley oop. The alley oop to RC Owens in the end zone. Speaking of plays and interesting names. Did you actually watch the Bears-Colts game yesterday? I suffered through it, yes. Was it that game or was it the game before? Did I see a flea flicker during the game? Oh, I saw a couple of them over the weekend, yeah. And is that the correct play where uh, it's hiked and then it's... You hand it off to like on an end around and then another guy gets it like it's going to be a double reverse and they flip it back to the quarterback and then he chucks it down the field. Yeah. Yes. I did see that. The flea flicker. I don't think they called it that on the broadcast, though, so I felt I was questioning myself, like, isn't that the old flea flicker? Not the to old... be confused with the alley-oop. Isn't that the old alley-oop? From Y.A. Tittle. <laughs> what was his first name again? Yelberton. Yelberton. Yelberton Abraham Tittle. I'll be thinking that, about that all day. Why isn't that name more used in 2020? Yelberton? Yelberton. Or just Y.A.? Yelby, for short. Hey, Yelby. Y.A. <laughs> Let's get into it. Colts and Bears. <sighs> the Bears should never be on for the 430 game. And here's why. Because the coma that their offense puts you into messes up with your evening sleeping routine. Yeah, it's like tryptophan. Having them on at 1 o'clock is perfect. You get that Sunday afternoon nap, and you wake up refreshed, and you don't miss anything. And I know all the Bears fans out there were sitting there saying, well, in the fourth quarter, 
That's when we really in kick it in. the fourth quarter, Nick will turn this on. Mm-hmm. And Nick Foles was pedantic yesterday. The running game was abysmal. Boy, did they miss Tariq Cohen. Because name a Bears running back other than David Montgomery. Right. You can't. They have no depth at the position. They're as shallow as a mud puddle at running back. They're running Cordell Patterson on short yardage situations. Come on, man! <laughs> I mean, I'll give Roquan Smith credit. He showed up yesterday. 13 tackles, three and a half tackles for loss, almost had a key interception. Uh, but the Bears' offense, well, they stink. They stink. And we've sat here and said, can't believe they're 1-0, can't believe they're 2-0, can't believe they're 3-0. So it's no surprise yesterday that they lost. No, it wasn't. That they lost. The Colts play very good defense. They're a very good defensive team. I don't know that they've got the offense to do anything in the AFC playoffs. They're going to win that division because the AFC South is just a steaming pile. And it's no stinking good. And I think they're going to get themselves killed on Thursday night, I think. Oh, the Bears? Yeah. You think, Tom Brady, after throwing five touchdown passes to five different receivers against the Chargers, (laughs) is going to struggle with the Bears? It was a warm-up. Now, I will say, the Bears' defense isn't as great as a lot of people think it is, but it isn't terrible because it gets hung out to dry by this offense. I mean, the Bears' defense was on the field constantly yesterday. But here's a thought. If you don't want to be on the field constantly, stop a team on third down once in a while. I mean, it just seemed like there was third down conversion after third down conversion by Phillip Rivers. And the Bears are out there with Nick Foles. just And, and Rich Gannon, who was doing the game on CBS with Greg Gumbel. Greg Gumbel's usually pretty solid. And I thought I liked Rich Gannon until I really heard him call this game. He's trying to sell me in the fourth quarter that Nick Foles is getting into a rhythm. No. No, he's not. The only reason the Bears are moving the ball on this drive is because of two penalties by the Colts. Then they put up the numbers for Foles on this drive, one of eight for six yards. Yeah, he's in a rhythm, Rich. Come on, man. Hasn't the Bears' personality always been the Bears defense well yeah since we were little like it's always them to save the game Corey they have not had a quarterback worth his salt since Sid Luckman and that's back in the 40s I mean Jim McMahon was not a great quarterback he was he was part of a great team everything fell into place that defense yes but Jim McMahon was not a great quarterback Jay Cutler not a great quarterback no I mean, when was the last time the Bears actually had an all-pro quarterback? I don't know. It's not going to happen this year. I mean, Nick Foles is a serviceable backup. Is he better than Mitch Trubisky? Eh, I don't know. I don't think either one of them are very good. I also don't think that offensive line is very good. I mean, 28 yards rushing yesterday for the Bears. That's not impressive. So You don't think they'll turn this thing around? I just wonder if there is some introspection among the ownership of the McCaskey family, which <laughs> that would be nice if there were, to look at the general manager, Ryan Pace, and say, 
eh, I'm really not too sure that this is the guy. Yeah. Let's head to uh, let's head to Michigan. How about the Lions yesterday? Well, they were the Lions. I mean, they lose to the Saints, thirty six twenty nine. They get off to a great start. By the time I settle down into my couch, it's fourteen nothing Lions. And my buddy Terry McFadden, who is a big Lions fan, says, "Well, we know what's coming now." Where'd that come from, by the way? He isn't he from Indiana? No, well, yeah, but they spent a lot of time in Michigan and. He is a Detroit fan. He is a Tigers, Red Wings, Lions fan. Interesting. So the Lions jump out to this 14-0 lead, and that's nothing uncommon for this team. And it's not uncommon that the Saints got the wake-up call about 12.30. Oh, we, it's, it's time to play. Or 1.30, it's time to play. Down the field, five straight drives. The Saints scored touchdowns. It's amazing this was only a six-point game. Credit to the Lions for hanging in there. But Saints are a much better team, and it showed Alvin Kamara is having a terrific year. Again, he's got seven touchdowns now for the season, and the Saints win at 35-29. So the Packers go into their Monday night game tonight against the Falcons, knowing that they have uh, are no longer tied with the Bears for first. And the Packers should win that division, probably going away. The Packers should win the NFC North as easily as the Colts will win the AFC South. Now, I referred to the AFC South as a steaming pile. That would be an insult to the NFC East, where Philadelphia leads the NFC East, Corey, with a record of 1-2-1. and one. They have sole possession of the lead in the NFC East with a sub-500 record. Thanks to their win over the Niners last night. So if you want the worst division in football, look at the NFC East with the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Giants, and the football team formerly known as the Redskins. Oh, the Washington football team. The Washington Washington FC, I guess we're going to call them. Oh, okay. Like they're some sort of soccer team. <laughs> it's a doubleheader tonight, isn't it? Yes, it is. You got the Patriots and the Chiefs, which is the game worth watching. That's at 7 o'clock on CBS. That game was postponed because of the positive COVID test on Cam Newton. Patriots have now tested for three straight days. They have no other positive tests on the team. So they're going to play Kansas City. And the Chiefs, with Patrick Mahomes, will be huge favorites in this game, especially because the Patriots will not have Cam Newton at quarterback. So that one will be worth watching, I think, on CBS at 7.05. For you night owls out there, it's the Packers and the Falcons that get underway at 8.50. If they were doing us a favor, they would just start that game in the fourth quarter. Spot Atlanta, 14-point lead. And see what happens. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a hoot if that happened? Saw, by the way, saw a great meme on Twitter yesterday. Okay. We're entering the fourth quarter of 2020. Let's hope we're playing the Falcons. <laughs> My son begged me to watch game three with him last night. I said, okay, okay. NBA Finals start at what, 7.30? Uh, a little after 7.30, yeah. So reasonable that you could at least watch a half of it watch before you went to bed. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the Jimmy Butler performance? Oh, I wish he was still a bull. Oh, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. 
I wish he was still a bull. I cannot name any other Heat player. I can name Laker players. I can't name another Heat player. Well, Tyler Hero. Oh, grumpy man or growly face at Growl- the end? Yeah, snarly face Tyler Hero. That's the only reason why. Now, they've got two players out. Goran Dragic, Bam Adebayo. I'm surprised you're not a fan of Bam Adebayo. It sounds like he's right out of Batman. Well, both of those names sound professional wrestler-ish. <laughs> don't they? Give me that first name again. Goran Dragic. Yeah, don't mess with the Iron Claw Dragic. Yeah. Or Bam Bam, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, what's his last name? Bam Adebayo. Yes. So I see yesterday Adrian Wojnarowski says both those guys are going to be out for game three. And I thought, well, the Heat are done. So credit to Jimmy Butler. It is the first time in an NBA Finals game, and LeBron's been in a few NBA Finals. He has. It's been the first time in an NBA Finals game that somebody has outpointed, assisted, and rebounded him in a game whether it's him or a teammate. And Butler went off last night. 40 points, 13 assists, 11 rebounds. Miami beats L.A. 115-104. Now, we said when the final started that that series is going six games, and I still think that's the case. Um, Lakers lead the series two games to one. I don't think there's any reason. If I'm a Lakers fan, I'm not sitting there, oh, my gosh, what happened to my team or anything? Obviously, Frank Vogel's got to make some adjustments. Mm-hmm. But I think it also shows what a great coach Eric Spolstra is to find some things that a team that's not at full strength can do. Obviously, everybody in the place had to know the plan was to get the ball to Jimmy Butler. And yet, with all eyes on him, he's able to put forth a performance like that. Let's give a shout-out to the coaching staff as well, whom I did recognize, a young Chris Quinn, who used to play for Notre Dame. Yes. He's on the Heat uh, bench there. Yeah, helping out Eric Spolstra. Great Mm -hmm. guy. Uh, Very popular player when he was here at Notre Dame and uh, continues to do well after, uh, after, uh, I think, Chris hung in the NBA for five or six years as a player and now as an assistant coach, starting to make his mark. So good for him. You want to segue to baseball? Well, let's go. Let's go back to college football. How much uh, did you watch any games Saturday? None. Tell you, I thought it was a great day to watch games. Um, there were some outstanding games on. Obviously, Notre Dame did not play over the weekend. Uh, they had a bye week scheduled, so that off week had nothing to do with their COVID outbreak. It just happened to fall in there. Irish had a full scrimmage yesterday at the stadium. Brian Kelly, I'm sure, will remark at that on his press conference today at noon. And Notre Dame, ranked number five in the AP poll, now getting ready for a wretched Florida State team that comes into the stadium on Saturday. Do not be confused. This is not the Florida State of the 90s with Bobby Bowden. (laughs) This is not the Florida States of the early 2000s with Bobby Bowden. This is a bad football team that Notre Dame should beat by three touchdowns, whether they've had a COVID outbreak or not. That said, so the rest of college football, the noon game Saturday that I found myself watching was Texas and TCU. And TCU comes from behind, and they beat the ninth-ranked Longhorns in Austin 
Gary Patterson at TCU. I don't know if I'd want him as my coach, but he knows how to beat Texas. And he's now beaten them six out of the last seven times in Austin. Is that Texas Christian University? Yes. I actually have a TCU hat in my basement right now. The Horned Frogs. Yeah. My brother-in-law got that for me. And they go into Austin and beat the ninth-ranked Longhorns. So that was some good afternoon viewing. Went to Mass. My wife and I decided to pop into a local establishment to have dinner Saturday night. They have many TVs on. We find ourselves watching North Carolina and Boston College. Of course, there's a little added interest in watching ACC games this year because as an Irish fan, okay, these are the teams you're going to be playing. Mm -hmm. North Carolina was okay. I mean, they're ranked number eight right now. I think they're overrated at number eight. But they're they're okay, and and they've got an excellent coach in Mac Brown, and they could certainly give the Irish fits come Thanksgiving Friday. But they couldn't quite put away Boston College. And here's Phil Jerkovic, the former Notre Dame backup quarterback, taking some hits and delivering the ball where it needs to go and leading a drive, and BC pulls within two, and they're going to go for the two-point conversion. And Jerkovic rolls out. He's got nowhere to throw the ball, but he's trying to jam it into a receiver. It gets intercepted and run back. And if you run a two-point conversion attempt all the way back, you get to as the defense. So instead of losing by two, Boston College winds up losing by four, 26-22 to North Carolina. Pretty decent ending to watch. Can I ask a stupid, ignorant question that kind of makes this show what it is? That's what Sports Jack is all about. <clears throat> Do you mean to tell me that there are not at least 20 teams that are better than Michigan right now, who's number 20 on the AP poll? How does that even work? The team isn't playing. Well, this is the funny thing about the AP poll right now, is that They didn't wait for the Big Ten or the Pac-12 to start playing. They took them out when they said, we're not playing at all this fall. Had them in the original preseason poll, took them out, and then as soon as the Big 12 and Pac-12 said, we're coming back, AP waited a week and put them back in the poll. It's pure speculation. It shows these polls are just, they're not really worth anything. How do you know? How do you know where Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State ranks right now? Now, we all think all those three teams that we just mentioned, we all think they're going to be pretty good. But you're not going to know until mid-November if those teams are any good or not. Mm -hmm. About About five games into the season, you have an idea who's good and who's not. Mm hmm And some teams are at that point right now. I think uh, Miami and Clemson play this coming weekend. That'll be an interesting game to watch because, okay, we've seen a sample of work. We think Miami is is pretty decent. We know Clemson is really good. Okay, let's see what happens. But I don't see how you can possibly rank teams that haven't played. And this is why I've always said preseason polls are garbage you got to wait until at least the midway point. Well, the problem is this year, midway point for the Pac-12 is going to come at the end of the season. Midway point for the Pac-12 is like Thanksgiving weekend. 
So polls this year are ridiculous. The only thing that matters anyway is what the playoff committee decides. And I wouldn't want their job this year for anything. How do you evaluate a team on the Pac-12 that plays seven games, a Big Ten team that plays nine, and an ACC team that plays 11? How do you do that? I have two follow-up questions. Number one, did I hear you just say the AP poll isn't worth anything? Yeah. Then why do you, in the way that I think I know you, would you report on that? Because I think there's still interest in what it says. Okay. Despite that it doesn't mean anything. Well, okay. I mean, it's like a presidential poll. The only poll that means anything in the presidential election is the one that's taken on election day. Mm -hmm. Anything that happens before then, so what? They change all the time. Lou Holtz used to say, you know, they'd say, well, coach, your team's ranked number one. Well, they're taking another poll next week, right? <laughs> you know? Is it, there a poll worthy of actually paying attention to at all right now? Not right now because... Nothing. We have two major conferences that aren't playing for another three weeks. So how do you evaluate those teams and rank them in the poll versus teams that are playing all the time. Is there one better than the other coaches in AP? Is there one that's I more... Think, I think... <laughs> I used to think the AP poll was better because you got a more objective look. But I think all these polls are so regionalized right now, which is why you see such a huge amount... Now, I'm not saying the SEC teams aren't good. I mean, I watched Georgia and Auburn the other night. Georgia looked very impressive in that top 10 battle. Mm -hmm. But again, was Auburn overrated? Well, that could well be. It's, I just think until you play at least half of your games, there shouldn't be a poll. Okay. That's, that's my opinion because how, how do you evaluate? I have no idea. So anyway, to finish up the college football weekend, I mentioned Georgia and Auburn. I, I was all set to watch that game. Second oldest rivalry in college football. You know, these two powers of the deep south. This is Saturday night? Saturday night. And that game that game was almost over before it started. Ooh. Auburn didn't even show up. I had to run to CVS, so I had the game on the radio. And I happened to have the Auburn announcers. And typically, you expect the Southern announcers to really kind of be homers. You could tell these guys were so disgusted with the way Auburn was playing. They didn't defend them any way any better than Auburn was defending Georgia. <laughs> so you come home and it's like, okay, well, what are we going to watch? Well, let's flip over to Oklahoma and Iowa State. Ooh. What a game, first of all. Mm -hmm. Secondly... Comcast had a way that you could watch this game in 4K rather than HD. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And you got a 4K TV, obviously, so you could actually see what they're talking about. Yeah. Oh, wow. Pretty terrific. That's that's That's, that's the nice. future. That's the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that was great. But then that game was just a terrific game, and Iowa State wins, and, you know, the... The social distancing police weren't in Ames that night. Uh, 
looked like they had a, a fairly decent crowd oh, wow. for that game. And Iowa State beats Oklahoma. So Oklahoma loses consecutive Big 12 games for the first time since I don't know how long. And I, I tweeted out, can we just pretend that Oklahoma is no longer relevant? And can we stop <laughs> pretending that Oklahoma is relevant anymore? Comma, LOL. Because, Corey, as you know, as a social media follower, what's the first thing that's said about Notre Dame anytime they lose? We're going to stop pretending they're relevant? Yeah. So that was my little tongue-in-cheek jab at just, here's Oklahoma. Now, here's the problem with, and it's not the problem with Twitter. It's the problem with the people on Twitter. Oh, did you get some backlash then? Oh, there's some guy sitting out there in Sacramento, California, who's an Oklahoma grad, who's like, oh, you can say the same thing about Notre Dame. <laughs> and I said, Steve, because his name was Steve, the irony that I was going for is that's the first thing that's said about Notre Dame when they lose. Then some somebody else chimes in, well, maybe you should have specified that it was college football because you make it sound like the whole state is irrelevant by saying <laughs> You know, this this kind of back and forth is going to get kick you off Twitter again. You got to be careful, and Chuck. And I didn't even re- I didn't even bother to respond <laughs> to that one. The whole state. Yes, I am saying that the entire state of Oklahoma is irrelevant. Overrated. I would like to, I would like to take that piece of the jigsaw puzzle of the United States and sell it to the French. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. This this is what I have to deal with in my life, Corey. Follow-up question, was the meal good wherever it is you went Saturday night? Did you enjoy eating there? Yeah, we had, we had a basket of wings, and it was it was good stuff. We were at a sports bar Friday night in my hometown called Coaches. Catchy name. It's been many <laughs> restaurants right there on Red Arrow Highway in Stephenville. I was going to say, it's not like the Coaches in South Bend. No. That has been many names. <laughs> it always comes back to Coaches one yeah. way or another. Mm-hmm. Want to segue into baseball, my friend? Um, yeah, although you mentioned the meal. Uh, the meal was not as good as the one Diane Freeby cooked yesterday, by the way. Ooh. She made a chuck roast in the oven with a red wine marinade sauce. That one, She had a home run on that one. Anytime you can have meat named after you, it's a good day. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So A lot of people don't know that Chuck's middle name is actually Roast. CRF. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, baseball. I know that on the sheet here, I have the fact that the American League Divisional Playoffs start today. I'm sure that's not what you want to talk about. I'm pretty sure <laughs> I know what you want to talk about. And I want to give blowback for the Sports Yak listener to you saying that you had more faith in the Cubs over the Marlins than you had in the Bears over the Colts. Mm-hmm. And the Cubs rewarded your faith by being swept in two games and scoring uno run, por favor. <laughs> One run in two games out of this offense. Where do you want to start? I was standing waiting for my table at this restaurant on Friday, late Friday afternoon, and my son informed me that the Cubs have lost. Done is done. And I said, oh, no, no, we got another game yet. I thought that the first game was rained out. 
I didn't know that this was it. They played Wednesday. They lost 5-1. Had a one nothing lead. <laughs> Seventh inning, Florida hits two home runs. Ugh. Rained out on Thursday. They play Friday. Hugh Darvish is cruising along. Has two outs in the seventh. In fact, I'm even thinking about tweeting the question, do you bring you Darvish out for the eighth? Then he gives up a home run and a couple more hits, and they bring in a reliever, and he gives up a hit, and another run scores, and it's 2 nothing. And my buddy Bill says, 2 nothing might as well be 6 nothing." And I said, you're right. At no point, watching the Cubs strand runners like they're castaways for the SS Minnow. At no point did you ever think, oh, it's turning around. Now, there's there's a hope there as a Cub fan. You know, all you need is a bloop and a blast. Mm-hmm. All you need is a bloop and a blast. From a team in September that was swinging nothing but a wet sporting news and swizzle sticks up at the plate. And, and I will give ESPN credit for this. Somebody in the stats department did research, okay? When it came to fastballs of 95 miles an hour or more, what team in Major League Baseball had the worst batting average this year? <laughs> that came up as a graphic? Yes. Ooh. Because the guy that they were facing Friday, Sixto, that was his first name, Sixto Sanchez is is throwing seeds in there at 100 miles an hour at the beginning of the game. Now, I'm not a major league hitter, never never claimed to be. And I know that that's, that's tough, especially because it wasn't just coming in flat. It had a little, little tail on it, a little movement on it. I mean, that's, that's tough to hit. But the Cubs hadn't hit anybody all year that threw hard. All year. And so now you've got this core. If you're Theo Epstein, who may or may not be back as president, if you're Jed Hoyer, who is the general manager, what do you do with this core of Rizzo, Baez, Bryant, Contreras, Hayward, Hap, Schwarber? What do you do? Because... There's only two guys in that core who hit all year, and that's Happ and Hayward. Hayward, you're not going to get rid of that contract because nobody's going to take on that contract. Rizzo, do you bring him back or no? Yeah, one more year maybe. I, I think he's the leader of that team. I yeah. Think. Chris Bryant. I think they got to part ways. Okay. If you go to trade him. What are you going to get for him? I realize after next year, he's a free agent and you get nothing. But right now, what would you get for Chris Bryant? Before the season started, there was talk of a trade of, for Chris Bryant for Nolan Arenado from the Rockies. Well, you're not getting Nolan Arenado now. Not after that season by Chris Bryant. Forget about that. Kyle Schwarber. Hmm. Uh, keep or keep or get rid of. Ah, uh, keep. Javi Bias. Keep. 
Yeah, I agree with you there. I think you have to keep Javi, even though he had a bad year. That That's the first year that he's had like that. There's where, more good than bad. Where Bryant, Bryant's reliability really since 2016 has been going downhill. Has been going downhill. Yes. And he's 29 now. Um, Contreras. Ah, uh, maybe. I think he gives you enough defensively that you have to hang on to him. Plus, I don't know that you have anything in the system that's reliable yeah. as he is. You're likely to lose John Lester. Okay, his contract's done. I don't see him signing for the price the Cubs would want to sign him at. By the way, did you see that marquee video of Schwarber and Lester? That yeah, that was. I mean, I enjoyed that. The Cubs do nice things like that. That's fine. I want them to win championships again. <laughs> I know, but just take a moment for it to be nice. But but here's the thing, Corey: Are the 2016 Cubs the '85 Bears? One and done. Yeah, because it sure looks that way. It, it keeps, yeah, it keeps kind of unfolding that way. You know, you've changed the manager. We we blame Joe Madden that it, because of Joe Madden they couldn't win. And David Ross came in, and I'm not saying David Ross did a bad job. I mean, obviously, trying to evaluate anything through the prism of 2020 is difficult. Yeah, that might that might be the big. We're going to let this all slide. But how long do you stay with this core before you say, yeah. Time for a change. Because I'm telling you what, on the south side, I don't know if you've noticed that team on the south side of Chicago, but they're pretty good. And they're young. And they're exciting. And at least they hit the ball sometimes. Now, they flamed out in the playoffs, too. And, well, there's that. But was that to blame on the manager more than the players? Because I don't know if you watched the White Sox game on Thursday, Corey. I don't. When they were playing the A's, best of three, and Rick Renneria decides in the first inning he's taking out his rookie starter after two-thirds of an inning and going to his bullpen and making it a bullpen game. And I tweeted that the Sox were going through pitchers like a Friday night at the linebacker because I think they used nine pitchers in that game against Oakland and wound up losing 6-4 because at a certain point, at a certain point, you're putting a pitcher out there who is subpar if you're using nine pitchers. And Oakland was able to take advantage, and that's why the A's are playing Houston today. And the Yankees are playing Tampa Bay tonight. By the way, if you want some drama to watch, watch the A's and Astros this week because they hate each other. Now, everybody <laughs> hates the Astros, and we know why. Instead of Robert De Niro and bang the drum slowly, it's bang the trash can rapidly last year for the Astros and the whole sign-stealing thing. Well, the A's play in the same division as the Astros. So they've had their signs stolen a time or two, and they don't take kindly to it. And then the Astros decided, well, we're not happy about what we're hearing out of you, so they started throwing at the A's this year. 
and they hit Ramon Laureano in the back twice. The second time, Laureano comes out of the box, and he's he's turning his wrist like he's trying to explain to the pitcher, no, you need to turn your wrist so you get more break on that slider. And he's trying to defuse the situation, and then the Astros hitting coach is standing in the dugout, and he starts chirping, and the next thing you know, the bench is clear. So that's what we're looking at for that series is two teams that just despise each other, which could be a lot of fun. There's a uh, Twitter account called Obvious Shirts. Have you seen that one? No. They're kind of fun. They're they're Cubs fans, and I was trolling through their shirts as they were doing their end-of-the-season sale, and it said, uh, in Chicago, we bang homers, not trash cans. I enjoyed that one. By the way, speaking of drama, and I talked to you about this <laughs> off the air this morning. Yes. Uh, NFL yesterday. And I, and and for you regular Sports Jack listeners, you're saying, man, you guys are shuffling topics a lot today. Yes, yes, we are. Pay attention. Golden Tate and Jalen Ramsey had a little set to yesterday. Golden Tate plays for the New York Giants, former Notre Dame player. Jalen Ramsey plays for the Los Angeles Rams. And you might say, well, they're distant and far apart. How could they be brought together? Well, you see, Jalen Ramsey was married to Golden Tate's sister and fathered two children through Golden Tate's sister. In fact, she was pregnant with the second one when Jalen Ramsey decided to leave Golden Tate's sister for a Las Vegas strip dancer. Well, Golden Tate didn't take kindly to that and basically had spoken out saying, when we meet, there's going to be trouble. Well, Jalen Ramsey took matters into his own hands yesterday with a hit that he put on Golden Tate during the Rams-Giants game, basically plowing Tate into the ground. Yeah, it looked like a move from the Rocks' heyday. Yeah. And then after the game, they met at midfield, and all bets were off. The haymakers started throwing, both benches emptied. And apparently... Jalen Ramsey then wanted to continue the fisticuffs afterwards, waited outside the Giants locker room for Golden Tate. And I don't think he was going to say, hey, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> Still some unfinished business. Huh? Oh, man. Tempers flirt. Who won that game? Uh, the Rams won the game. Okay. Yeah. Rams won the game. And by most accounts, Ramsey won, won the tussle as well. So that, if, if you want soap opera drama, you can check that one out. We don't have any of that kind of soap opera drama on the high school football front, but I did want to touch on that because there are some of our listeners who like the high school sports. Sure, and you got a big game this week. Well, we have big games this week. We have the tournament draw on Thursday, which will be huge. Last Friday night, um, pretty decent game between Mishawak and Northwood. Northwood lost its starting quarterback on the on Tuesday. Nate Andrews, I'd gone over for practice Wednesday, and Nate said, yeah, Nate Newcomer probably isn't playing this week. He was coming back from a concussion, had played the week before, kind of got dinged up a little bit, had been in the training room. They had him out of practice on Tuesday, and, and Nate Andrews, is, he just didn't, he didn't move right. He didn't look right. Well, it turns out he's got 
a knee, a, a tear in his meniscus that happened at the back of the meniscus, which makes it really tough to fix. And this poor kid's high school career for any sport might be over. So he's sidelined. While I'm at practice Wednesday, the backup quarterback is Caden Lone. And the trainer comes out and talks to Nate. And Nate goes to talk to Caden. And Caden, I see Caden take his gloves off and head to the locker room. And I thought, oh, well, maybe Nate's telling him, hey, we know Nate Newcomer's not ready to go. You're the backup quarterback. You need to get your right gloves. Except Caden Lone didn't come back because Caden Lone had to do contact tracing because of a COVID test at Northwood. So he was out. So the Panthers had to go to their number three quarterback, a senior named Kyle Sellers, who had not played quarterback before. And he finds out Wednesday, oh, I'm going to be the quarterback against a really good team in Mishawaka. And at halftime, Northwood's up 16-14. I mean, Kyle Sellers is playing his rear end off and playing really well. Very entertaining game. And it was an entertaining game throughout. Mishawaka winds up winning at 30-16. to And I still think Keith Kinder's cavemen are going to win their sectional and move on. Now, I know some people at Adams might take umbrage with that. I know my buddy Jim Seitz and his kids listen to the show. Uncle Chuck doesn't lie. I'm telling you right now, I think Mishawaka right now is better than Adams. Doesn't mean that when Adams gets Gavin pulling back from a concussion, they may not get better. But right now, Mishawaka looks better than Adams. And there's nothing wrong with turning that audio into your ringtone to provide fuel to that game. <laughs> of course. Of course not. Uh, I'm trying to think of some of the other high school games from Friday night that stood out. LaVille and John Glenn played a dandy. LaVille's got a freshman quarterback named Lucas Plummer. He leads them down the field. Very controversial pass interference call made on Glenn late in the game. Then Plummer hits Leighton Zarnecki for the touchdown in the end zone. LaVille stays unbeaten, winning 17-14. They've got a huge game with North Judson this Friday night in the Hoosier North Conference. The game everybody's looking forward to this weekend, and we'll talk about it uh, Wednesday or Friday on the Yak, is Elkhart and Marion, Battle of the Unbeatens. Elkhart looks superb on Friday night, 51-0 win over Adams. In fact, Friday night was not really good for the South Bend Community School System. They were defeated by a combined score for the four public schools of 183-7. to that, that was not exactly a banner night for South Bend football. Uh, some other games that stood out, Northridge, who we'll see this week on TV 46, had its problems with Goshen. Goshen is an improving team. They throw the ball around a lot. They've got a senior quarterback named Colin Turner. But Northridge wound up winning that game 27-14. Northridge, probably the best defense in the area, goes up against a Concord team that can also sling the hash a little bit, throw it around a little bit. They've got. Did I hear you just say they're on this week? Northridge is, yes. Oh, in, in what capacity? Are you doing two games? No, we're just doing Northridge and Concord. Oh, I thought you were doing uh, Elkhart and Marion this week. No. Sorry about that. No. That's okay. Oh, I... Can't be everywhere. Yeah. Sorry, I, th- I thought uh, somebody was all excited about that in the hallway. My apologies. Oh, I'm sure there was some excitement about it in the hallway. But that's I, not the game you're doing. Yes. 
So Northridge takes on Concord. Okay, Friday night at Concord. Uh, at Northridge, at the beautiful new Interra Field, I've seen that uh, from the uh, the road. That's uh, yeah. Looking forward to yeah. showing that. Was this your first time there? Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Looking forward to showing that off on Friday night. And uh, trying to think of some other games up in Michigan. Buchanan now three and zero. Mark Fry's team beat Marion Springs the other night, thirty one fourteen. They throw it around a little bit. Two hundred twenty yards passing for the Bucks in that game. So, some good performances, and of course, we'll get you ready for the high school weekend as it goes along. But I did not want to leave out high school for our, our loyal listeners that enjoy that part. I thought I read something that the governor's kind of lifting something. Uh, yeah, we've on gone the to stage five. We've mm-hmm. gone to stage five. Now that in depends Michigan. on your local. Oh, no, well, in Michigan, the governor, <laughs> the governor had all of her executive orders ruled unconstitutional by the Supreme Court. So oh. we don't know really where we stand in Michigan. I thought I heard there or read that um, you get to go see games on the 9th, but we'll see. Yeah. You can report on that on Friday. Yes. Okay. We're not doing a yak on Wednesday? Yeah, we can. Oh, okay. Friday seems more high school football themed. True. Since True. it's that night, yada, yada. All right. Well, you had a lot to say today. And um, congratulations to Winamax Justin Haley. Up-and-coming NASCAR driver, drives on the Xfinity Series. That's kind of the AAA to the uh, NASCAR Cup Series. And Justin Haley won his third consecutive race at Talladega. You know the last driver to win three consecutive races at Talladega? Tell me. You should because it's right there on the script in front of you. Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Yeah. So that's some pretty Mm. lofty company for Justin Haley. And He's an up-and-comer. It won't be long before I think we hear his name in the Sunday races at NASCAR. Mm -hmm. They've taken down the wanted posters for Chuck and Twitter. He is back on there tweeting wholeheartedly. Oh, yeah, at 46 Sports. So many likes, so many retweets, so many comments. We we try to infotain Mm -hmm. the people. Uh, Until next time, Yak fans. By the way, you're on Twitter, too, you know. I am. Uh, in its at my name is Corey. It's and a dumpster fire. The show has a Twitter account. Yes, at Sports Yak with two Ks. Right. So until next time, we say Oogaluga Y A Tittle. We've had some fun. Yeah, the show is done. Now we gotta run. It's Sports Yak. Sports Yak. Sports Yak is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We done. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.